Letter 10 of Letters from a Farmer in Pennsylvania. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Moser. Letters from a Farmer in Pennsylvania by John Dickinson. Letter 10. Beloved Countrymen, The consequences mentioned in the last letter will not be the utmost limits of our misery and infamy. We feel too sensibly that any ministerial measures relating to these colonies are soon carried successfully through the Parliament. Certain prejudices operate there so strongly against us that it might justly be questioned whether all the provinces united will ever be able effectually to call to an account before the parliament any minister who shall abuse the power by the late act given to the crown in america he may divide the spoils torn from us in what manner he pleases and we shall have no way of making him responsible if he should order that every governor should have a yearly salary of five thousand sterling, every chief justice of three thousand, every inferior officer in proportion, and should then reward the most profligate, ignorant, or needy dependence on himself or his friends with places of the greatest trust because they were of the greatest profit. This would be called an arrangement in consequence of the adequate provision for defraying the charge of the administration of justice and the support of the civil government. And if the taxes should prove at any time insufficient to answer all the expenses of the numberless offices which ministers may please to create, surely the House of Commons would be too modest to contradict a minister who should tell them it was become necessary to lay a new tax upon the colonies for the laudable purpose of defraying the charge of the administration of justice and the support of civil government among them. Thus, in fact, we shall be taxed by ministers. We may perceive from the example of Ireland how eager ministers are to seize upon any settled revenue and apply it in supporting their own power. Happy are the men and happy are the people who grow wise by the misfortune of others. Earnestly, my dear countrymen, I do beseech the author of all good gifts, that you may grow wise in this manner. And, if I may be allowed to take the liberty, I beg leave to recommend to you in general, as the best method of obtaining wisdom, diligently to study the histories of other countries you will there find all the arts that can possibly be practiced by cunning rulers or false patriots among yourselves, so fully delineated that changing names the account would serve for your own times. It is pretty well known on this continent that Ireland has, with a regular consistence of injustice, been cruelly treated by ministers in the article of pensions but there are some alarming circumstances relating to that subject 
which I wish to have better known among us. The revenue of the crown there arises principally from the excise granted for pay of the army and defraying other public charges in defense and preservation of the kingdom, from the tonnage and additional poundage granted for protecting the trade of the kingdom at sea and augmenting the public revenue, from the hearth money granted as a public revenue for public charges and expenses. There are some other branches of the revenue concerning which there is not any express appropriation of them for public service, but which were plainly so intended. Of these branches of the revenue, the crown is only a trustee for the public. They are unalienable. They are inapplicable to any other purposes but those for which they were established, and therefore are not legally chargeable with pensions. There is another kind of revenue, which is a private revenue. This is not limited to any public uses, but the crown has the same property in it that any person has in his estate. This does not amount at the most to fifteen thousand pounds a year, probably not to seven, and it is the only revenue that can legally be charged with pensions. If ministers were accustomed to regard the rights or happiness of the people, the pensions in Ireland would not exceed the sum just mentioned. But long since have they exceeded that limit, and in December 1765, a motion was made in the House of Commons in that kingdom to address His Majesty on the great increase of pensions on the Irish establishment, amounting to the sum of £158,685 in the last two years. Attempts have been made to gloss over these gross encroachments by this specious argument that expanding a competent part of the public revenue in pensions from a principle of charity or generosity adds to the dignity of the crown and is, therefore, useful to the public. To give this argument any weight, it must appear that the pensions proceed from charity or generosity only, and that it adds to the dignity of the crown to act directly contrary to law. From this conduct towards Ireland, in open violation of law, we may easily foresee what we may expect when a minister will have the whole revenue of America in his own hands, to be disposed of at his own pleasure. For all the monies raised by the late act are to be applied by virtue of warrants under the sign manual, countersigned by the high treasurer or any three of the commissioners of the treasury. The residue, indeed, is to be paid into the receipt of the exchequer, and to be disposed of by Parliament, so that a minister will have nothing to do but to take care that there shall be no residue, and he is superior to all control. Besides the burden of pensions in Ireland, which have enormously increased within these few years, Almost all the offices in that poor kingdom have, since the commencement of the present century, and now are bestowed upon strangers. For though the merit of those born there justly raises them to places of high trust when they go abroad, as all Europe 
can witness, yet he is an uncommonly lucky Irishman who can get a good post in his native country. When I consider the manner in which that island has been uniformly depressed for so many years past, with this pernicious particularity of their parliament continuing as long as the crown pleases, I am astonished to observe such a love of liberty still animating that loyal and generous nation. And nothing can raise higher my idea of the integrity and public spirit of the people who have preserved the sacred fire of freedom from being extinguished, though the altar on which it burned has been thrown down. In the same manner shall we unquestionably be treated as soon as the late taxes laid upon us shall make posts in the government and the administration of justice here worth the attention of persons of influence in Great Britain. We know enough already to satisfy us of this truth, but this will not be the worst part of our case. The principles in all great offices will reside in England. Make some paltry allowance to deputies for doing the business here. Let any man consider what an exhausting drain this must be upon us, when ministers are possessed of the power of affixing what salaries they please to posts, and he must be convinced how destructive the late act must be. The injured kingdom, lately mentioned, can tell us the mischiefs of absentees, and we may perceive already the same disposition taking place with us. The government of New York has been exercised by a deputy. That of Virginia is now held so, and we know of a number of secretaryships, collectorships, and other offices held in the same manner. True it is that if the people of Great Britain were not too much blinded by the passions that have been artfully excited in their breasts against their dutiful children, the colonists, these considerations would be nearly as alarming to them as to us. The influence of the crown was thought, by wise men many years ago, too great, by reason of the multitude of pensions and places bestowed by it. These have vastly increased since, and perhaps it would be no difficult matter to prove that the people have decreased. Surely, therefore, those who wish the welfare of their country ought seriously to reflect what may be the consequence of such a new creation of offices in the disposal of the crown. The army, the administration of justice, and the civil government here with such salaries as the crown shall please to annex, will extend ministerial influence as much beyond its former bounds as the late war did the British dominions. But whatever the people of Great Britain may think on this occasion, I hope the people of these colonies will unanimously join in this sentiment that the late act of Parliament is injurious to their liberty, and that this sentiment will unite them in firm opposition to it in the same manner as the dread of the Stamp Act did. Some persons may imagine the sums to be raised by it are but small, 
and therefore may be inclined to acquiesce under it a conduct more dangerous to freedom as before has been observed can never be adopted nothing is wanted at home but a precedent the force of which shall be established by the tacit submission of the colonies with what zeal was the statute erecting the post office and another relating to the recovery of debts in america urged and tortured as precedents in the support of the stamp act though wholly inapplicable if the parliament succeeds in this attempt other statutes will impose other duties instead of taxing ourselves as we have been accustomed to do from the first settlement of these provinces all our useful taxes will be converted into parliamentary taxes on our importations and thus the parliament will levy upon us such sums of money as they choose to take without any other limitation than their pleasure we know how much labor and care have been bestowed by these colonies in laying taxes in such a manner that they should be most easy to the people by being laid on the proper articles most equal by being proportioned to every man's circumstances and cheapest by the method directed for collecting them but parliamentary taxes will be laid on us without any consideration whether there is any easier mode the only point regarded will be the certainty of levying the taxes and not the convenience of the people on whom they are to be levied and therefore all statutes on this head will be such as will be most likely according to the favorite phrase to execute themselves taxes in every free state have been and ought to be as exactly proportioned as is possible to the abilities of those who are to pay them they cannot otherwise be just even a hottentot could comprehend the unreasonableness of making a poor man pay as much for defending the property of a rich man as the rich man pays himself let any person look into the late act of parliament and he will immediately perceive that the immense estates of lord fairfax lord baltimore and our proprietors which are amongst his majesty's other dominions to be defended protected and secured by that act will not pay a single farthing of the duties thereby imposed except lord fairfax wants some of his windows glazed lord baltimore and our proprietors are quite secure as they live in england i mention these particular cases as striking instances how far the late act is a deviation from that principle of justice which has so constantly distinguished our own laws on this continent the third consideration with our continental assemblies in laying taxes has been the method of collecting them this has been done by a few officers under the inspection of the respective assemblies with moderate allowances no more was raised from the subject than was used for the intended purposes but by the late act a minister may appoint as many officers as he pleases for collecting the taxes may assign them what salaries he thinks adequate and they are to be subject to no inspection but his own in short if the late act of parliament takes effect 
these colonies must dwindle down into common corporations as their enemies in the debates concerning the repeal of the stamp act strenuously insisted they were and it is not improbable that some future historians will thus record our fall the eighth year of this reign was distinguished by a very memorable event the american colonies then submitting for the first time to be taxed by the british parliament any attempt of this kind has been made two years before but was defeated by the vigorous exertions of the several provinces in defence of their liberties their behaviour on that occasion rendered their name very celebrated for a short time all over europe all states being extremely attentive to a dispute between great britain and so considerable a part of her dominions for as she was thought to be grown too powerful by the successful conclusion of the late war she had been engaged in it was hoped by many that as it had happened before to other kingdoms civil discords would afford opportunities of revenging all the injuries supposed to be received from her however the cause of dissension was removed by a repeal of the statute that had given offence this affair rendered the submissive conduct of the colonies so soon after the more extraordinary there being no difference between the modes of taxation which they opposed and that to which they submitted but this that by the first they were to be continually reminded that they were taxed by certain marks stamped on every piece of paper or parchment they used the authors of that statute triumphed greatly on this conduct of the colonies and insisted that if the people of great britain had persisted in enforcing it the americans would have been in a few months so fatigued with the efforts of patriotism that they would quickly have yielded obedience certain it is that though they had before their eyes so many illustrious examples in their mother country of the constant success attending firmness and perseverance in opposition to dangerous encroachments on liberty yet they quietly gave up a point of the last importance from thence the decline of their freedom began and its decay was extremely rapid for as money was always raised upon them by the parliament their assemblies grew immediately useless and in a short time contemptible and in less than one hundred years the people sunk down into that tameness and supineness of spirit by which they still continued to be distinguished et majores vestros et posteros cogitate remember your ancestors and your posterity a farmer end of letter 10